Bismillah, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawalah, amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. So today we are, we've reached hadith number 40 in which Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said that the Prophet took him by the shoulder. He grabbed him by the shoulder and he said, Kun fi dunya ka'annaka gharibun aw abiru sabeel. وَكَانَ إِبْنُ عُمَرْ يَقُولُ إِذَا أَمْسَيْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَظِرِ الصَّبَاحِ وَإِذَا أَصْبَحْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَظِرِ الْمَسَاءِ وَخُذْ مِنْ صِحَّتِكَ لِمَرَضِكَ وَمِنْ حَيَاتِكَ لِمَوْتِكَ That the Prophet grabbed him by the shoulder and said, Be in this world as if you were a stranger or a traveler. And then Ibn Umar, he added to this as a comment, his own, his own words, he commented and said, uh, he used to say, If you... Live to the evening, they don't expect to be alive in the morning. And if you live to the morning, they don't expect to be alive in the evening. Take from your health before your sickness and take from your life before your death. So I'm not going to comment too much on the uh, extra commentary from Ibn Umar. I just want to focus on the words of the Prophet ﷺ mostly. Uh, because, you know, this is, these are 40 hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, And so we're going to focus uh, primarily there. Now, what are the general comments that we can make? Well, the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. How many of us neglect our responsibilities towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because our hearts are filled with this dunya? This is really, you could say, the, 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 the big question that needs to be asked. How many of us become consumed by the love of this dunya that we become enslaved to it as a result? So the hadith, more specifically now, we get into the details. The hadith begins by, أَخَذَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ that the Prophet grabbed me by the shoulder. Now, what is this for? Why does he grab somebody by the shoulder? This is to get their complete attention. The Prophet would often uh, do something that would make the message stick. There's many different ways to make the message stick. And the Prophet would implement a, multiple, uh, a variety of different methods. Using physical touch was most often used specifically with youth. And this is demonstrated in the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, where he says that the Prophet came and struck me on the chest. Now, a strike on the chest doesn't mean like a punch or something. It means like, you know, tap me on the chest, grab my attention. Why? Young people are easily distracted. As you get older in life, perhaps your attention span, you could stay focused for a long period of time. You can sit and read for a long time. But young people, they're, you know, all over the place. And so the Prophet would do something to grab the attention, physical touch, so that it would make this more memorable, to really grab their attention so that they would have a physical uh, attachment to that memory as well. And this is because the Prophet didn't just convey a message, but the best of messages, but he would do it in the best way as well. He would take advantage of special occasions. He would use parables, which we're going to see a lot of in this, uh, in this particular uh, explanation in the commentary here. We're going to see how many examples he gives, parables to make people understand better. Uh, he would observe people's behavior. He would observe their vocabulary, and he would speak to them at their level, and he would do so while exercising patience and perseverance. So this is just an example of that. And what I also want to highlight with this first part, is that he's, he's talking to this young man, Abdullah ibn Umar, who was young at this time. And this is in and of itself a sunnah that is often neglected. Uh, because most people, when it comes to youth, they only care about their own youth. They only come and say, you know, my kid is going through this, or my kid is going through that, how can I... I I'm just speaking from personal experience, but I'm sure many other people in my position can say the same thing. That when somebody comes up to you, let's say an adult, and they say, I want to talk to you, I'm having trouble with a kid. And you're like, hmm, I wonder which kid. My kid is going through this, and my kid is going through that, and I need help with my kid. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not attacking or blaming anybody. Obviously, we're all concerned for our own children. But it's just sad 
to comment and to make the observation that I can't really think of a time, or let me be more specific, it's rare, it's very rare that somebody comes up to me and says, I'm worried, I want to deal with this kid, I don't know how. Oh, it's not my kid, by the way, it's somebody else's kid. That is extremely, extremely rare. It's either my kid or not my business, right? Or I don't, you know, somebody else deal with it. So this is something that is quite concerning. Why? Because the Prophet would deal with not just his own children, but with the children of other people. And so he's going up to him and I mean, when was the last time, I'm speaking to the adults now, when was the last time you told somebody else's child, I see a lot of potential in you? I remember, not, not in this community, but back a while ago, I used to try to raise money for young people to go study Islam. And everyone was like, look, if I'll put in money if it's my kid, if not, why do I care, right? They'd be like, oh, can my kid get the scholarship? But you know, my kid doesn't really want it. How can you convince him to want it? I say, it doesn't work like that. You put in the money and then the ones that want it get sponsored. If your kid doesn't want it, I'm sorry, that's, that's just what it is. I, I can't, you know, m make him tra trans transform his, his, his wants and desires. I mean, I try my best every Jummah and every Khutbah and every Halakha and every time, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But they're like, oh, really? You can't make my kid want to study Islam? Well, then I don't want to sponsor it. So this is really a, a, an issue that we have to ask ourselves and really, uh, you know. And by the way, just as a side point, the best way to help your kids is to help the kids around your kids. So even if you want it for selfish purposes, think about this. If, you're, if you want your children to be strong in their deen, think about what you're doing to make sure that all the kids in their environment, they are strong in their deen, and therefore, that influence is going to be had. So then we begin the hadith. So after grabbing him and making it sort of physically, uh, from a physical perspective, memorable, Kun fid dunya gharib. The Prophet says what? Be in this world as if you were a stranger. Now, the first thing I want to get into is this word dunya because there's a lot to unpack here. The first of all, dunya technically means, you know, coming from the word dunu. Dunu means low, lowness. And it means something that is close. And this implication here is that it is low and it is close, as in it is the most immediate to our experience. Hence, it's the closest to us because obviously the akhirah is not closest to our experience. And it is the lowest because it is insignificant in comparison to the akhirah as well. So you can see from both perspectives, it is the most immediate, hence the closest uh, to our experience, and also specifically when compared to the afterlife, and is also most, the most insignificant, insignificant, hence the lowest in comparison to the afterlife. Now, there's a difference between the word alam and dunya. The word dunya usually refers to, you know, uh, this world when you're talking about its fitna, its allurement, its temptation the negatives, usually, generally speaking. That's why it has the word lowness in it. Whereas the word alam comes from, you know, alama, which is a sign, and it is the world talking about things like the mountains and the rivers and the land and the, and the trees and the animals and so forth, this alam. And that's actually an ayah. It's an, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alama. It's a sign that points you towards the Creator. So you can look at this world from two perspectives. The worldly pleasures of trying to, you know, uh, acquire more uh, worldly uh, materialism, right, and uh, more, more pleasure and uh, the distractions versus the actual alam, which is the natural world, something to appreciate, it's so beautiful. There's a nice quote from uh, uh, Yahya ibn Mu'adh, and he's sort of showing the difference between these. He says, كَيْفَ لَا أُحِبُّ الدُّنْيَا قُدِرَ لِي فِيهَا قُوتٌ أَكْتَسِبُ بِهِ حَيَاتًا وَأُدْرِكُ بِهِ طَاعَةً أَنَالُ بِهَا الْجَنَّةِ He says, how can I hate this world? How can I, excuse me, he says, how can I not love this world? Of course I love this world. So he's not, now he's not talking about from a worldly perspective. He's, he's looking from a different perspective. He says, how can I not love this world? The food by which I acquire my life is decreed for me in this world. Allah gives me all of my sustenance in this dunya. I am able to do acts of obedience in this dunya. And also, through it I can achieve paradise. 
So there's lots of reasons to appreciate this dunya, but uh, of course, if you treat it right. Allah Ta'ala describes this dunya multiple times in the Quran as a distraction and as amusement. Allah says that in Surah An'am, also in Surah Muhammad, and also Allah switches it in uh, Surah uh, Ankabut, in which Allah says, So what is this worldly life but some sort of diversion and amusement? And Allah Ta'ala describes this dunya as deceptive. People get this impression that I'm going to live forever. And I want to, you know, if I invest myself into this world, then it's going to give me everything I want. And subhanAllah, time and again, people realize that's just not the case. Hence why Allah says, فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ That do not let this worldly life delude you, nor be deceived by Allah, by the deceiver. Speaking about shaitan, and Allah knows best. So there are, I have seven different parables that Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger give about this dunya. So interesting. To help us understand this dunya in a better way. Allah gives the parable of like vegetation, the way it's very short-lived. The way it receives water, it grows up, it becomes strong, it becomes beautiful, and then it dies very quickly. It, you know, starts to rot away. Allah says what? Know that this life, this world, is just an amusement, diversion, adornment, boasting against one another, and competition to increase in wealth and children. And the example of it is like rain. Resulting from, uh, from it, resulting, you have that plants grow that please the tillers or the, 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 the farmers. Then it dries, and you see it turn yellow. Then it becomes scattered debris. And in the hereafter is a severe punishment and forgiveness from Allah uh, and approval and His approval. And what is this world, worldly life except the enjoyment of delusion? So this, this example is so beautiful. Think of rain coming down and then it has this effect and oh, it's so strong and oh, it's so beautiful. And just like a flower when it blooms and it looks so gorgeous and then it starts to wither, rot and then goes away very quickly. That's this dunya. A second parable that Allah gives Excuse me, this is the Prophet ﷺ. He describes it like a rotting carcass. Imagine this. The Prophet ﷺ was walking in the bazaar on a certain area uh, and people were on both of his sides and he found a dead lamb that had very short ears. It had some sort of a defect in it. And he took hold of the ear and he said, he said, uh, Who wants to buy this dead goat for one dirham? And the Sahaba were looking at this. Ya Rasulullah, we don't want it for anything. For you one dirham, we don't even want it for free. Atuhibbuna annahu lakum. Don't you want it? Don't you don't don't you want to take it even for free? And they say, Qalu wallahi lo kana hayyan. Even if it was alive, kana aiban fihi. There's even a defect in it. Li annahu asak because it has these short ears. It seems a little bit defective. Fakayfa wahu amayit. So why would we want it when it's dead? So the Prophet says what? Fakal fa wallahi la dunya ahwanu ala Allahi min hada alaykum says this dunya is even less significant in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than this dead carcass animal. This is how little Allah cares about this dunya. And why the example of something that is dead and defective? The idea is, first of all, this life is short-lived. Everybody's going to die. But even if you were to live perpetually, it's still defective. Even if you're successful and even if everything is given to you in this dunya, you're still going to have hard times. You're still going to suffer depression. You're still going to get sick. You're, even if you are the richest and you know, most successful person, you're still going to have hard times. So that it's still defective, subhanAllah. The Prophet says that this dunya is like 
the wing of a mosquito or even less. Look at all these parables to help us understand it, to make us contemplate more. لَوْ كَانَتِ الدُّنْيَا تَعْدِلُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ جَنَاحَ بَعُوضَةٍ مَا سَقَى كَافِرًا مِنْهَا شَرْبَةَ مَاءٍ That if this world was even equivalent to the wing of a mosquito, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah would not give even a sip of water to the disbeliever. The reason why Allah allows for the disbeliever to become rich and famous and powerful, because Allah has no value for this dunya whatsoever. And this just goes to show that wealth is not an indicator of Allah's love. Think about the wing of a mosquito. If anybody sees a wing of a mosquito on the carpet right now, do they say, oh, quick, we got to preserve it and bring it home, and I just have to take care of it? Does anybody care? If a mosquito comes on your body, do you slap it and say, oh, preserve the wing, brother? It's so important. Nobody cares, could care less. You just get rid of it immediately. And, and the Prophet is saying, Allah could care, could care less like this to, this, to this extent, subhanAllah. And furthermore, a fourth parable is what? That the Prophet gives the example like food. And this is very interesting, subhanAllah. This is in Sahih ibn Hibban. This, I never came across this hadith before, but it is apparently, it's in Sahih, it's Hassan, considered by Al-Albani, and it's in Al-Bayhaqi as well. إِنَّ مَطْعَمَ إِبْنِ آدَمْ ضُرِبَ لِلدُّنْيَا مَثَلًا بِمَا خَرَجَ مِنْ إِبْنِ آدَمْ وَإِنْ قَزَّحَهُ وَمَلَّحَهُ فَانْظُرْ مَا يَصِيرُ إِلَيْهِ Look at this hadith. That the food of the human being is similar, is like an example of this world. Look at what comes out of the human being. Even if you were to season your food and salt your food, in other words, even if you prepare your food so beautifully, look at what it becomes. So I think we all understand the parable here. When you go to the washroom, it doesn't matter what, how fa it doesn't matter if you had a meal that was at a one-star restaurant or a five-star restaurant. It doesn't make a difference how expensive or how fancy or how prepared the food is. At the end of the day, what happens at the end? I don't need to go into more detail. And so in that exact same way, you could be the richest or the most poor. You could be the most successful or you could be the least successful. At the end of the day, everybody rots away, passes away and dies and turns into dust and dirt. SubhanAllah. Another parable about this dunya is like a drop in the ocean. SubhanAllah, the Prophet says, Wallahi mad dunya fil akhirati illa mithlu ma yaj'alu ahadukum isba'ahu hadihi wa ashara yahya. The, the narrator, he says, bis sababa, he shows with his index, fil yammi fal yanzur bima yarja'. That by Allah, if this, this world is so insignificant to the hereafter, that one of you should dip his index finger into the ocean and then see what comes out of it. Like a drop in the ocean. Basically, almost nothing. Subhanallah. That, another parable, is similar to, and now we're not saying all the other things are like this one as well, okay? So nobody get offended. <laughs> and we're not saying that the carcass or the drop in the ocean or anything like this is like this next parable. But the idea is to compare in different ways. So this next parable is like speaking to men and talking about you men know how you attracted you are to an attractive woman. You know how alluring. So, you, so from that, from your own knowledge, compare that to this dunya. The Prophet says what? In the dunya, uh, 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 that this world is sweet and green and alluring indeed Allah has put uh, you all in succession of this world in order to see how you act in other words you come in and you come out just as a quick test and so, he says, so fear Allah regarding this world and fear Allah regarding women. Indeed, the first trial of the people of Israel was caused by, the first fitna was caused by women. So, this is now you see somewhat of a, a comparison here, saying, you know how beautiful and lush and gorgeous this dunya is? And saying, so fear Allah because of the attraction of this dunya, and also fear Allah with regards to attraction similarly to the opposite gender. Why? Because in that same way, something can be so alluring, so beautiful, and cause you 
to do all the wrong things and act in a foolish and improper manner. And then, of course, there's the parable of prison. The Prophet says what? Adunya sijnul mu'min wa jannatul kafir. That this world is the prison for the believer and a paradise for the non-believer. And this parable is more with regards to ahkam and rulings. Why? The disbeliever doesn't believe in anything. And therefore, I can do whatever I want. I'm free to act however I wish. Whereas the believer knows that I have to act in accordance with Allah's law. I can't just look wherever I want. I can't do whatever I want. I can't buy whatever I want. I can't eat whatever I want. Everything is very controlled for the believer. And so therefore, it's similar to a prison. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam bisawab. Now by the way, just as a short comment, some people think that that makes this deen so horrible because, oh, it's like you feel like you're in a prison. Well, just keep one thing in mind. People pay extra money to go to a private school instead of a public school, right? People pay more money. And which one has more rules? Which one has more strictness? The private school, obviously. And why is that? Well, better results, simple. More strictness, more rules, more dress code, more uh, emphasis on adab and behavior and so forth. What do you get? Better results. So yes, somebody could say, oh, so this, de- the, this hadith is describing Islam as such a you know, tough religion and there's so, so much rigidity. I would say, look, alhamdulillah, Everything Allah made halal is good for us. Everything that Allah made haram is bad for us. And ultimately, this rigidity, this level of rigidity, first of all, it's not so bad that you can't live. You can live very beautifully. And number two, alhamdulillah, it produces the best results. You know, think about, the, think about an athlete, how strict their diet is, how strict their regiment is, how strict their training is. Oh man, it's like you're in a prison. Yeah, so I can get the best results. So I can shave off one second and be just a bit faster and jump just a little higher and swim a little bit faster and so on and so forth. So this is how we should look at our Islam, inshaAllah ta'ala. This dunya is so alluring that even the Prophet ﷺ was told how, was given the method of how to be wary and careful from the allurement of this dunya. Uh, the Prophet Keep yourself patient with those who call upon their Lord in the morning and in the evening, seeking the face of Allah. This is your method of staying away from the allure of the dunya. Then Allah says what? And do not let your eyes go beyond them, desiring the zina, the adornment, the beauty of this worldly life. So how can even the Prophet the best of us, how is he being advised to stay away from the fitna of this dunya? The fact alone that he needs, or that Allah is giving him this advice means how much more do I need it? Allahu Akbar. So that's number one. Number two, what is the method? Stick to the believers and be patient with them. You might get annoyed with them sometimes. You might find them a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. You might find them, you know, bothersome sometimes. But guess what? Stick to them, the the ones who, day and night, they're just thinking about seeking the face of Allah. Seeking Allah's pleasure. Seeking Allah's happiness. If you stick with these people, then this dunya is not going to bother you whatsoever. And then Allah continues and says, what? And do not obey those whose hearts we have uh, made heedless of our remembrance and who follows his desires and whose affairs are ever in neglect. Yes, and subhanAllah, with regards to this dunya, the Prophet said that, إِنَّ لِكُلِّ أُمَّةٍ فِتْنَةً Indeed, for every ummah, there is a specific fitna that is the worst on them. So what is the, about the ummah of Muhammad? This is, by the way, in, in Tirmidhi, Sahih Hadith. وَفِتْنَةُ أُمَّةِ الْمَالِ And the big fitna of my ummah is money. That's, that's, that's the thing that gets you guys the worst. Uh, SubhanAllah, look at the Muslim world and look at the way the wealth is squandered. May Allah forgive us. So, then, the Prophet says what? إِنَّ الْأَكْثَرِينَ هُمُ الْأَقَلُّونَ That those who, are, who have the most 
uh, 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 excuse me. In al-akhtharina hum al-akallun illa man qala bimalin hakatha wa hakatha. Those who are rich in this world would have little reward in the hereafter except those who spend their money here and there in Allah's cause. So in other words, it's not that dunya is bad, but it's a big fitna, it's a big test. And so you have to be the type that says, I'm not gathering it just to gather it. I'm gathering it with a purpose and I have to spend it in the right way. So now, this was all about this word dunya. Now let's move past the word dunya. Kun fi dunya ka'anna Like you are a stranger. Why a stranger? So many interesting perspectives on this. This isn't your real home. You don't plant your heart and your mind too firmly in it. That's why you should feel like a stranger. Furthermore, a stranger feel that he doesn't belong. You, don't, you feel awkward, you feel out of place. Your, your heart is never tied to a land. You're never stuck in one geography. You're not obsessed with a certain place. Why? Allah made this earth vast. You're mobile, you can move in any way. I don't feel comfortable anywhere I am. Why? Because I'm in a test. And you can never relax during a test. And by the way, this is a real issue for people who are nationalistic. Oh, my land, my land, subhanAllah. Do you think when Adam was put in this dunya, he cared what land he was from? Oh, am I in uh, this country or that country? Adam was upset that he left Jannah. That's the only concern. So, and honestly, it's really sad. A lot of Muslims in this country who came from other countries, they have this attitude like, oh, my back home is where I feel happy and I feel so out of place in this, in this, in this country. In my experience, people who say that, they spend time in this country for X amount of years and then when they go home to visit, when they come back, they say, you know what? Everything's changed. I still feel, I feel like a stranger over there too. Even myself, this is not my original you know, city. When I go back to my home, hometown, I feel like I'm out of place. So this idea, this romantic idea that we become uh, you know, uh, deceived by, oh, my country is the best country. If I were to go back home, I'd feel the best. No, no, no. You were raised there, so there's some familiarity. But guess what? That was 20 years ago. That was 30 years ago. You go back and visit again, you'll feel unfamiliar again. So what is this teaching you? That ultimately you should feel un unfamiliar everywhere. Good, that's a good feeling. Kun fid dunya Be in this world like a stranger. You're supposed to feel like a stranger. You're not supposed to feel like, oh, a certain place is where you belong. You don't belong here and you're not going to remain here. Subhanallah. A stranger isn't happy with his day until he's done something that will help him reach his final goal. That's how we should feel. Every day is an op opportunity to say, hey, this is not where I belong. How am I going to get to my ultimate destination? The stranger knows that it is imperative that he doesn't get lost. That he keeps his, he's always on guard. You know, when you're at home, you can walk and wander and you always kind of know where you are. You can always, you know, find your way. But a stranger is always like, which, which, where did I turn? Did I take a left or a right? Always very concerned. So in that same way, in this dunya, you're always very cautious of never getting lost. And in this case, we're talking about being lost from a deen perspective. Hence why we say 17 times a day, Ya Allah, keep me on the straight path. Ya Allah, guide me on the straight path. You're constantly asking. Why? Because just like a stranger, you know how easy it is that you can get lost. He knows that he cannot return to his homeland if he starves to death. And therefore, he has to work in the strange land, but only enough to get him through to the next day. In other words, you don't become obsessed with working in this dunya, just enough to get you by, because obviously you need to get the good deeds done. You need to finally get to your homeland. You need to get back to Jannah, inshallah. A stranger doesn't try to compete with the locals because he, because he doesn't share their interests. They have a foreign language. They have a foreign humor. He's not trying to grasp their humor. He's not trying to learn their full language. He's not trying to master uh, their sports. They probably play a sport that he's not used to. I'm not trying to master their sports. He's not trying to get praise from them. He's not trying to get anger from them. He's just trying to get to his home. In the same way, in this dunya, there are lots of people that are competing for this dunya. I want to be the most famous. I want to be the most beautiful. I want to be the most rich. I want to be the most whatever. You should feel like a stranger. I don't understand you people. That's like a foreign sport to me. That's like a foreign language to me. That's like a foreign humor to me. I don't get your expressions. I don't get your lifestyle. You people are foreign to me. I have no interest in this dunya. 
If I am successful, okay, good. If I'm not, who cares? This is not for me. This is a foreign concept to me. That's how the believer feels. As Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah, he says something so beautiful. Al-Mu'minu fi dunya kal gharib that the believer in this world is like a stranger. لا يجزع من ذلها ولا ينافس في عزها له شأن وللناس شأن. Beautiful quote. He says the believer in this world he's like a stranger. He isn't concerned by its humiliation, nor does he compete for its honor. I don't want to, you know, either way. It's not, it's not a concern to me. And then he says, he has one purpose and the people have another purpose. You people have some purpose, that's fine. You go chase whatever you want to chase. That's not what I'm interested in. And then the Prophet says what? Be in this world as a stranger or as a traveler. Now, technically, a stranger may decide to become a permanent resident. And so you see that the hadith continues and says, listen, you're not just a stranger, but you're also a traveler because you're never, you never, even if you're a foreigner, you don't want to become a permanent resident. You want to get out of there. And so both parts seem to have to do with past and future. When you're a stranger, that's a reference to your past. I'm not from here, originally. We are all from, Adam is from Jannah, right? Adam is from paradise and we all want to, that's where we're originally from. So, gharib is a reference to your past. Or a traveler, that's regarding your future. I'm traveling to get back to paradise. So both past and future are covered in this beautiful hadith. Because we were all from paradise and we all are going to die. So this dunya is a temporary stop. As the Prophet, as the Prophet says, لي لي What do I have to do with this world? The Prophet asks, That what do I have to do with this world? I am not in the world, but as a rider seeking shade under a tree, then he catches his breath and then he leaves. When you are waiting at a bus stop, do you try to set up shop and make sure that you make your bed, <laughs> set up a bed at the bus stop and make sure you made your bed? You don't do these things. There's no, you don't bring your bed to the bus stop. The bus stop, in, out. You race, rest for a little while and then you go. In the same way, you take a quick break and then you keep going. SubhanAllah. A traveler is always thinking forward. As Allah says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu attaqu allaha wal tanzur nafsum ma qaddamat li ghad wa attaqu allaha inna allaha khabirun bima ta'amaloon. O you who have believed, fear Allah and let every soul look to what it has put forth for tomorrow. Always be thinking about the future and fear Allah. Indeed, Allah is ever acquainted with what you do. We don't want to be like those who regret. And so subhanAllah, uh, the, the rest of the hadith continues. كان ابن عمر يقول إذا أمسيت فلا تنتظر الصباح وإذا أصبحت فلا تنتظر المساء. So this seems to be the commentary of Ibn Umar. He's saying if you are living until the evening, then don't expect to live in the uh, morning. And if you're alive in the morning, then you should be wary about the evening. So every day you feel like this could be my last. And this is very similar to the Prophet ﷺ saying when a man came to the Prophet ﷺ, جاء رجل إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله علمني وأوجز. Uh, that a man came to the Prophet and says, Oh Messenger of Allah, teach me something, but make it, make it brief. Make it, you know, make it quick. You know, summarize. You know, I, I can't handle a long, a long speech. Just make it, make it something simple. قال صلى الله عليه وسلم, 